Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The latest from 7 News with Michael Usher. Good evening and welcome. New polling tonight. The coalition clawing back ground, but there's key wages data tomorrow, which could sway voters. Bomb squad officers shut down Brisbane suburbs. Our reporters live there. A country in crisis. Sri Lanka running out of petrol, medicine and food. We cross to that region. And just in new pictures of the Queen. A surprise visit in London. But we look first tonight at that new polling out in the past couple of hours and a closing gap between the major parties. Political reporter Rob Scott's in Canberra. Rod, good evening. The primary vote margin seems to be fast narrowing as we near election day. Certainly is, Michael. And for the coalition, this is happening just in the nick of time with voters going to the ballot boxes in just four days. So the latest Resolve poll, which was released uh, just in the last couple of hours, shows that primary support for Labor has softened significantly over the past two weeks, dropping from 34 to 31 percent. There's a small bump in support for the coalition, up 1 percent to 34 percent. A third of voters still choosing minor parties and independents. And after preferences, Labor is still in the lead, 51 to 49, but that is a significant tightening from just two weeks ago when Labor led 54 to 46. So this election looks set to go right down to the wire. And Rob, tomorrow some more information that may have an effect on the vote. Data released that could really sway voters? Yes, the wages figures are out tomorrow, Michael. And if they show another effective cut, that is wages rising below inflation, that could play very badly for the government. But on Thursday, the jobs figures uh, are out and they could show an unemployment rate in the threes. And that could be a huge win and something that Scott Morrison could point to as being a direct result of the coalition's economic management. All right, Rob, we know the policy is being put forward, but we're learning where the money is coming from to pay for them. Yes, the coalition today has revealed that its 35 policies that it's announced so far during this campaign uh, come at a $2.3 billion price tag. Now, funding for those spending commitments uh, will come by cutting the public service. Uh, Josh Frydenberg promising a $1 billion improvement to the budget bottom line as well. But the government has gone on the attack, uh, attacking Labor for still not releasing its costings or whether the budget deficit would be higher or lower under them. Anthony Albanese says that all will be revealed on Thursday. He had He's completely refused to answer any questions on the topic other than saying that today. Eventually, he wrapped up what was a very short media conference this morning in Perth. But, of course, that didn't stop journalists demanding answers. We will announce that on Thursday. There's no point announcing it now. Because I, I, I want you to be there on Thursday. What is Anthony Albanese hiding from? The answer is proper scrutiny. Mr Albanese is now here in Canberra where he will address the National Press Club tomorrow. He's promising to make a, a few more policy announcements during that speech. So it'll be interesting to see what he has to say and his reaction to these latest polls tomorrow. All right, Rob Scott, briefly back in Canberra for you on the election campaign. Thank you. And 7 News will keep you informed every step of the way as Australia decides. Our election day coverage begins Saturday from 4pm Eastern right here on 7 
We know tonight that the Reserve Bank thought about lifting interest rates by as much as 40 basis points. Minutes from the RBA's meeting are out. The board arguing with inflation so high and the cash rate so low, it could have gone that far. Instead, it went with a more modest increase of 25 basis points. It says to better signal a, quote, return to normal post-pandemic. I want to show you some pictures. Just in tonight, the Queen making a surprise official outing in London in the past few hours. Her Majesty was with her younger son, Prince Edward, to open a new tube line in her honour. Head to toe in a quite beautiful bright yellow hat and coat, the 96-year-old appeared to cheerfully mingle at the ceremony. She even tried her hand at tapping on her oyster card. A standoff at a steelworks in the Ukrainian city of Mariupol is over tonight. Around 260 fighters holed up at the plant for weeks, surrendered to Russian troops. All were bussed to rebel-held towns, more than 50 of those soldiers badly wounded. Army generals ordered the units to stand down, saying they were the heroes of our time. We do not know what happens to them now. Taking you live to the Brisbane suburb, which has just come out of a police lockdown now. Our reporter Georgie Chumley's there. Georgie, good evening. What caused all that? Good evening, Michael. Well, after, like you say, almost eight hours, the residents of Cooparoo are finally able to leave their homes. There is another Brisbane suburb that remains under lockdown in Brisbane's north, in Woolawan. After suspicious substances were found in both suburbs at two different locations, they've been linked to a 42-year-old man who was located here. Police triangulated his phone and found him in his car. They arrested him around 4.30 this afternoon and he hasn't yet been charged, but he has been taken to hospital under yeah. police guard. Now, they did spend hours searching his car, combing through it for evidence. They brought in the bomb squad and the dog squad using x-rays and drones to try and determine if there were suspicious substances in his car. They have taken away a number of items. The alarm was initially raised in Woolawan in that suburb in Brisbane's north that remains under lockdown after people found a tub of suspicious substances, which we still don't know what it is, but police thought the threat was so real that they locked down almost a dozen streets and hundreds of residents across the southeast. They will continue testing on that this evening and certainly an incredibly terrifying mm. night for residents, hundreds of residents across the southeast and it continues for those residents in Woolawan. Quite some disruption there. All right, Georgie Chumley, thank you. Let's take you to the search zone for a missing Victorian grandfather. Cassie Zervos is at dinner plane for us tonight in the state's high country. Cassie, good evening. Forecast snows falling tonight. How is it affecting the effort to find 70-year-old Christo Pittas? Good evening, Michael. Well, as we go to air, it's currently minus two, but it feels like a freezing minus 12 degrees, making this wide-scale search even harder. The much-loved grandfather was last seen on Friday afternoon. His wife raised the alarm when he failed to return to their dinner plane accommodation, which is in Victoria's high country. Today, we saw hundreds of people, both police, SES and locals, join in on that search to help find a much-loved grandfather. Christo was last seen wearing a jumper, pants and white sneakers. Anyone who thinks they might be able to help has been asked to join in on the search here tomorrow. Michael? Cassie, thank you. We have new evidence from the Chris Dawson murder trial. Our reporter Angelique Opie is outside the New South Wales Supreme Court. Angelique, good evening to you. So we've heard testimony from Lynette Dawson's sister. What did she say in court? 
Michael, on another day of this blockbuster trial, we heard from a very emotional Patricia Jenkins. She was choking back tears as she recalled the moment her sister called her saying that Chris Dawson had left her family. The court was also shown old family photos that have never been seen before, pictures of when the couple were going out together at 17 to their wedding day to one shot that was labelled the last photo of my Lynn taken around Christmas time of 1981. It was around then when Patricia claims Lynn called her. She was heavily uh, breathing, deeply upset, saying that Chris Dawson left her family. The court was also told today that Lynn believed uh, her husband needed professional help for his anger. Patricia also saying uh, that uh, he was always so angry with her. Now, Chris Dawson denies murdering his wife. He claims that she left him tomorrow. Lynn Dawson's sister-in-law, along with Chris Dawson's schoolgirl lover known as JC, they're both expected to give evidence. Michael? Okay, Angelique, thank you for that in Sydney tonight. Two alleged drug mules are thinking about spending a very long time in jail tonight, accused of sneaking cocaine into WA. Police say the men from New South Wales and Germany hired a boat to retrieve the $120 million haul from a cargo ship. 320 blocks of the drug were found stashed in a camper van destined to be distributed nationwide. New tonight, Elon Musk casting further uncertainty over his own takeover of Twitter. The billionaire says the deal can't go forward unless he receives key statistics on fake accounts. He wants the CEO to prove publicly that less than 5% of users on the platform are bots. And that has to happen before he buys the company. Turning now to the worsening economic crisis in Sri Lanka, a country with only one day of petrol left. I'm joined by South Asia correspondent Ishan Garg in Delhi. Ishan, hello to you. The situation is incredibly dire in Sri Lanka. Absolutely. The, the country is going to run out of uh, petrol and diesel in just one day's time, according to the Prime Minister of the country, Mr. Ranil Vikram Singhe. And because of that, you can already see long lines stretching out for miles in all major cities in Sri Lanka, including the capital, Colombo. People there say that they have been waiting uh, to uh, get petrol or diesel for their vehicles for more than six to seven hours uh, at a time. And most of them have been waiting just in vain because the country is running very low on fuel. What this also mean is that since uh, Sri Lanka's bulk of electricity, electricity supply comes from diesel, the country is also going to experience severe power shortages. The Prime Minister has said that the power outages can, all, uh, can go on for nearly 16 hours every single day, which is going to make the lives of people in the country very, very difficult. Uh, but, you know, there are other difficulties that are facing, uh, they are facing, have been facing rather for the past two to three months because several people have uh, reported saying that they are running out of essential commodities like cooking oil like grains and people who can uh, or are able to buy them uh, they are if they can find it they can't buy it because uh, the food items have become so incredibly expensive in Sri Lanka over the past two to three months so it does seem like it is going to be a very tough uh, few months ahead as the Prime Minister of the country has said that the economic situation will improve but before uh, that happens it will get a bit worse it's a terrible state of affairs Ishan what has led to this turmoil 
Well, the troubles for Sri Lanka really started when the pandemic hit and Sri Lanka's economy is largely dependent on tourists. And as soon as that income dried up, the economic troubles for Sri Lanka began. And to make things worse, the outgoing government of Prime Minister Mahinda Rajapaksha, who had to resign under incredible pressure, his government had put in a lot of tax cuts, populist measures, according to analysts who say that that really heightened the burden on the economics of Sri Lanka. And uh, there are also allegations that the entire economic management of the Rajapaksha government had been really bad. There were also instances of uh, the Sri Lankan government banning imports of fertilizers, which led to crop failure, adding even more burden. So it was really a series of unfortunate events that created a domino effect and the result of which we are seeing right now. And all of this has created substantial anger in the minds of people. Uh, it led to the ousting of uh, the outgoing prime minister, Mr. Mahinda Rajapaksha, and there are also growing calls in the country right now for the president, Mr. Mahindra's younger brother, uh, Mr. Gotabaya Rajapaksha, to resign as well. Well, there's a large Sri Lankan community in Australia, and they're very worried about family in that country there. Uh, we appreciate your update tonight. Ishan Garg, thank you. A distraught Amber Heard has returned to the witness box with more explosive testimony against her ex-husband, Johnny Depp. I was begging not to do this and have to sit where I'm sitting today. I didn't want this. All right, let's bring in entertainment reporter Ross King, who's in Los Angeles. Ross, hello to you. This is intriguing. The actor has detailed more disturbing allegations about Johnny Depp. Absolutely, Michael. We did say it was going to get down and dirty and get nasty. It certainly has been. Amber Heard being cross-examined and I think it's fair to say being grilled as well. She continued to talk of the alleged attacks by Johnny Depp. She also looks to her right a lot. People have asked me about that. That's because the jury is on her right-hand side, so she keeps looking to them. She also looks to Johnny Depp. We found out today why Johnny Depp never looks at her. That's because one of their last meetings, he said to her, you will never see my eyes again. She did continue to talk about her nose that she alleged she thought was broken by Johnny Depp during an argument. His side, though, arguing that the photographs show a different story. What, what are those? Please describe for the jury what those are. Those are scars that I obtained while Johnny was um, strangling me and assaulting me on the countertop in Australia. Nothing I did changed his rage at me. Nothing I did changed the violence towards me. Uh, this is a picture of me um, after he did whack me in the face. The night after, right? Yes, it is. I believe it was the night after, yes. Your nose doesn't appear to be injured in any of these pictures, does it, Ms. Heard? I'm wearing makeup. So it's quite a bit of back and forth today, Michael. Uh, very much mm. a sort of sparring session, I think you could say. As you said, down and dirty, it certainly is. Uh, Ross, Johnny Depp's lawyers have questioned Heard over this charity pledge. What was that? Yeah, so when they were divorced, she got $7 million in the settlement. She claimed that it was never about money. She was going to donate all of that money to two separate charities. Um, as of yet, that money hasn't been paid to the charities. That was brought up by his side of things. She said that she pledged it, and she continues to pledge it, and she says that it will get paid at some time. But, of course, his side of things saying, well, you know, you lied about that. You said that you had paid it in a TV interview. So, again, wanting once again to paint the picture that they say, that Amber Heard is lying. Mm. All righty, Ross King there in LA. Good to talk to you again. Thank you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We are four days away from the federal election and one thing is clear tonight, the PM has a problem with women voters. The West Australian newspaper had a chat to 50 young females. Most of them were scathing of Scott Morrison. Quote, he's an open sexist. Another, he doesn't represent me. Let's bring in our panellists, author and journalist Carolyn Overington, KISS FM newsreader Brooklyn Ross. Good to have you both here. Carolyn, how much do you think uh, the PM has a problem with women, do you think? And what's it going to do to the outcome of this election? Well, women are a really important voting block. We know that. We're well past the days where you could rely on the little woman in the house to vote the way her husband told her. I mean, women today are very independent and very strong-minded. A lot of the women in this particular poll were very young, and I think that they've been energised by characters like uh, Grace Tame, who has stood really firmly against violence against women, and perhaps also Brittany Higgins, who was the face, really, of the Women's March. But I wonder if they were also influenced by people like Jackie Lambie. People really like Jackie Lambie, and they really trust her and there's that fantastic clip that goes around in which she says I've sat opposite a lot of people in my job and I've never met a bully like Scott Morrison she actually uses that word bully so it's not just women on one side of the political spectrum it's women on all sides of the political spectrum Interestingly, we haven't seen a lot of Jenny Morrison so far. We saw a little bit today of Jenny Morrison, but we haven't seen a lot of her in the campaign. She in the past has been used, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but to try to soften the PM's image because people really like her and Australian women really like her. They see her as a devoted mum and a devoted housewife and very committed to her kids and so on. We haven't seen as much as her, which might explain this result. Well, interestingly, tonight she's on his Instagram feed. Um, oh, helping, yeah. helping talk about the superannuation plan for first home buyers. So Jenny is starting to be wheeled out now. Is that a direct response to, there's that clip there, is that a direct response, Brooklyn, do you think, of the Prime Minister addressing the fact that he knows he's got a problem with women voters? Yeah, I'd say absolutely. And uh, like you said, Caroline, we've seen Grace Tame, Brittany Higgins. He just wasn't able to get along with those two figures who were really held up as, as two brave women who stood up to misogyny. Yeah. And Scott Morrison just kind of was, became their enemy. Well, does he have a problem then with women or young women voters, I wonder? I think... Probably more young women. I, I, I don't know. I couldn't answer that. But we also had Gladys Berejiklian. She's a, a, a woman, a female leader who was really highly respected. She ended up reportedly saying that, you know, he was a horrible person yeah, as well. Yeah. So mm. it's, it's women across it the political spectrum and of different ages. The question for the election is how much each group will vote as a block. I mean, women will not vote as a block the same as men will not vote as a block. Brooklyn, what did you think about that? I mean, a major talking point the past few days has been the coalition's plan to allow young people to tap into their super to, yeah. to buy a home, to, yeah. to, to try and get over the housing crisis. Good idea, bad idea? Oh, I think it's a terrible idea. Um, I never showed any interest in my super till I was at least... 30 years old. And I think that's probably the same for most yeah. people. Like, you just don't care about it. So the thought of using it to buy a house seems great. Like, I don't, I, this money means nothing to me. I'll take it now. But when you do get a bit older, you realise the great benefits there are to super, particularly putting money into it as early as possible and leaving it there. That's how super works. Compound interest. It builds up and it's there when we need it at the end. Shifting it around earlier on in life 
you're not, it's not a benefit to anyone. Carolyn, a few economists have raised an eyebrow about this whole plan, worried about it, could push prices up even further and deplete uh, retirement savings. What do you think? It's unquestionably a bad idea. Um, whether or not it helps young people get into the housing market is uh, a different question altogether. If that's what you want, if you want young people to get into the housing market, then you have to bring in some kind of enforced savings plan, like I'm going to take 10% of your young income and you're going to use that for a house deposit and nothing else and I won't tax you on it, but let's not call it super. People say, oh well, uh, housing is a better investment, also actually stocks and shares are a better investment than housing, but you can't live in stocks and shares. Mm. And the big problem for young people is they have nowhere to live. They're at the mercy of the rental market, which is very insecure, also extremely expensive, very difficult to get a house deposit together when you're paying $300, $400, $500 a week in rent. How do you even imagine and doing I, it? I think this plan is, is waving the white flag, saying we've run out of ideas, we have no idea how to get young people into homes anymore, they're just too expensive, too out of reach. What can we do? The break glass comes for the super. There you go. Use that to get into a house. But it's, how much it, super do young people really oh, have? Not much, I mean, not... some young people have two thousand dollars or four thousand dollars. This is and not a house. Yeah. Five different locations. Right, well, and they should. Yeah. And we should take this moment to remind them to yes. consolidate your super, and you will pay less fees. Yeah. We're talking a fair bit about what Scott Morrison's been doing, or right or wrong, but we haven't really addressed Anthony Albanese, which we should do out of fairness. Should he have changed gears this week? I mean, he walked away from a press conference today. He got shouted at by the press pack again <laughs> as he tried to scamper out the back door. There, which wasn't a good look. Um, is he playing it right this week or not? Mm, it's uh, I don't know. I think all the way along, Labor has probably been playing the playbook of let Scott Morrison lose. <laughs> you know, yeah. the less Anthony does, like just don't get into trouble, Anthony. Don't don't go out there and say the wrong thing. Don't forget what the cash rate is. Just lay low and and let it play out. And that's probably what they're doing. What do you think, Carolyn? Walking out on a press conference is never a good idea. No. It, it never looks brave and it never looks strong. I think that the Australian public is looking for uh, a leadership, uh, proper leadership contest. I'm not sure that they've got one. It's very true that there are a lot of people who don't like Scott Morrison. We have seen that. He's still ahead, I think, in the preferred Prime Minister stakes. Yeah. And the reason he is is because Albo, as we like to call him, hasn't really stepped up. Often when you get a Labor leader elected, it's a hawk or it's a Keating, or it's a Whitlam. It's a big moment and a big idea and a fantastic movement of people behind them. Remember Kevin 07 yeah. came charging yeah. up with all those youngsters behind him, really presenting a strong, comfortable, confident face. People could say, you know what? I'm going to change. I'm going to go with that guy. With Albo really isn't generating that sense of momentum and that might be a problem. That's exactly what I feel about this election too. Like it, it, the po a lot, most polls are saying, not all, but most are saying, you know, it's going to be a clear Labor win, but you just don't feel it, do you? You the don't feel it. The same way what you described. Let's change the topic altogether and get away from the election. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Uh, this is an interesting story. A rising young soccer player in the UK has come out as gay. He's the first active professional openly gay male footballer in England since 1990, which seems ridiculous. Have a listen to this. I feel like I'm ready to tell people about my story. I want people to know the real me. And lying all the time, this isn't what I've wanted to do, and it has been a struggle. 
Yeah, well, that's 17-year-old Jake Daniels, who plays for Blackpool Football Club Brooklyn. Uh, Jake said he was, in fact, inspired by Adelaide's Adelaide United's Josh Cavallo, yeah. who came out last year. Yeah, I, I still find this extremely surprising at the elite level, that there's still a cultural problem where gay players, gay sports people, can't come out and be open. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sad. I mean, great. Good on this guy. Like, that's fantastic. It's so good to see. Um, I, I, I'm gay, but I don't play soccer, so I called my friend who does play soccer, but he's straight, and I said, you know, what's going on? What, what do you think the, 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 the issue is here? Why has it taken so long? And he actually gave, he went through a few good points. Um, I mean, sledging is a big one when you're out on the, the field. So from the fans? From fans, and I guess from teams to teams, and he said that, you know, even though away from sport, a lot of players wouldn't, you know, sledge in particular ways, it comes out on the field. Another is, particularly in uh, English soccer and European soccer, a lot of the money is coming from uh, countries where homosexuality uh -huh. is still Interesting. Uh, not allowed, it's still illegal. So like yeah. China and in the Middle East. Um, and so it's, it's almost like when actors would not come out so that they would yeah. keep the, the big roles available for them as the ladies' man, they're kind of doing the same thing if, if they want to get money from there. So, I mean, he, he went through a range of things and, and it's sad. I hope it changes one day, but... He had something yeah. to say about culture too. I think we've got that. Let's have a listen. Why do you think there is this big taboo in male professional football about being gay? I think it comes down with a lot of footballers want to be known as like masculinity. And I think being gay, a lot of people use it as being weak. So a lot of people would say, like, you're doing that because you're gay. And they're going to just say it's because you're weak and it's, it's just not the case. So a lot of people don't want to do that because in football they are masculine and it's something that you can get picked on for. Carolyn, there's an interesting point, that word masculinity, because if you look in Australia, there are openly gay female players in, in footy, AFL, cricket, and that doesn't seem to be a big problem. But with men, masculinity, it is. Yeah, which I found really interesting. I just love that young guy. I yeah. really do. I think he's one of the strongest people. I thought that was beautiful the way he said, I want people to know the real me. And it was interesting to me too that he said that he thought that some people thought that gay people were weaker. Actually, some of the gay people that I know are some of the strongest, most reliable, honest, upright characters in my life. Just fantastic people. I think it's problematic that we're having the World Cup in a place like Qatar. I really yes, do. Yeah. Where homosexuality is illegal and where there's, I mean, there hasn't been floggings and there hasn't been executions, but it remains on the books. How terrifying must that be? Why would you want to go to a country like that? And I am warmed by all of the international sportsmen that we've seen, including at Formula One, where people have stood up against Qatar and said, you know, this is not acceptable. And so, so long as you have these rules on your rule books, we will not play international sport with you. That's also crazy to think that there would be, I mean, there has to be at elite levels in male professional sport in Australia, players who still keep their, yeah. their, their true identity. Sure. In some parts of me thinks, well, uh, why do they have to come out? Come out is such a strange thing to me. Like, people are what they are. Like, why do you have yeah. to kind of announce it in that way? People should just be accepted for what they are. But they feel like they can't reveal their true selves. I think it's a, it's a shame because it must be a difficult way to live. Feeling that you have secrets is always a difficult way to live. You should live with as few secrets as possible. It's the best, that's the best way forward. Yeah. All right. Um, interesting things to talk about. Brooklyn, thank you. Carolyn, thank thanks you. again. Well, thank you for your company this evening from the team here at 7 News. That is the latest. I'm Michael Usher. Have a good night.